0: ONV presents a financial pillar.
1: Good morning. Welcome back to Our Neutral Voice. that presents a financial pillar. Um, I'm excited to be back with you for our first show of 2024 by introducing a couple new faces to the financial pillar show. Uh, First, I'd like to introduce uh, Terrence Bush, right? Terrence is new to the ONV family. Um, Terrence, if you want to talk to the audience, tell them a little
2: bit about yourself. Um, thank you, Ryan. So happy to be here. Um, my name is Terrence Bush. I do work for PNC. Just a little disclaimer, um, all thoughts and opinions are my own
1: and do not represent PNC in any way, shape, or form. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. And um, while new to the Financial Pillar show, definitely not new to the ONV family, we have J.J. Foster.
0: Yeah, good morning. It's good to be here on the financial side. I'm uh, J.J. Foster with uh, Lake City Bank. I'm a mortgage loan originator. Um, the other part about that, I'm a banker all of three years, but I'm um, 30 years in the human services field. So serving family and children uh, has been a great combination While well, joining the bank.
1: Yeah. Well, wow. three bankers on the same show. This is going to be real interesting, right? <laughs> yeah. So uh, but today we have a special guest for you, um, Lisa Gavan. Right. Um, I don't want to mess up your title, so I'm going to give you a second to go ahead and introduce yourself and let the audience know about your titles.
3: All right. Well, thank you so much. Uh, Name is Lisa Gavan, so we got Mm -hmm. that right. Uh, My professional titles are two. I serve as the Vice President for Diversity, Equity, and Belonging at Indiana Tech here in Fort Wayne. I also serve as the Chief Inclusive Leadership Strategist at LDG Navigators, which is my own consulting firm.
1: Awesome. Great. (laughs) Thank you. You're welcome. thank you for coming on the show. Right. Um, I know myself and JJ have had the uh, pleasure of listening to you speak to our respective employers um, in some consulting fashions, yes. right? Yes. Uh, but one of the things that stood out to me when listening to you speak to us was you talking about mindset and the power of changing your mindset, right? You know, when we speak with our audience and we talk about the different topics, we're always talking about how we need to change our mindset if we want to change our direction in life, right? Mm-hmm. If we're not happy with the way things go, we're not happy with our financial situations. We need to change our mindset in order to be able to reach the success that we want to, right? Instead of making excuses. But one of the things we don't really do is talk about how we change our mindset, right? Mm -hmm. Some tips, tricks, and things like that. So that's one of the main things I wanted to have you on the show to kind of, you know, help educate us with that. So um, what led you into the path you are now with your, um, your consulting business?
3: So it's it's really uh a it's a legacy thing for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, my company is named after my, my father. He was in the Navy, made a lot of sacrifices for me, the youngest of four children. And so every presentation I do has some type of influence from my parents. But I, I think what put me in the space is after being, I started in banking uh, in corporate America mm-hmm. many, many years ago. And I've been in higher ed now professionally for about 16 years. But the consulting aspect has been transcended over both. Because even in corporate America, we were at a place where people just really didn't understand how to interact with each other. Right. They may come out Mm -hmm. of college. They may come out of training and they have the content expertise. But we were lacking some things in engagement and relationship building. And so for me on my leadership journey, I think that's one of the things that has made it a little easier mm-hmm. is the power of building relationships and talking to people and connecting. And and with that, the the company started and we partnered with nonprofits, organizations, schools, banks, because um, mm-hmm. I know that part a little bit. And it, it just really came out of this need for we need to do better. And to do better, sometimes other people need to show us, right? Like mm-hmm. there's some things that you can't get in a classroom, although um, as being a former Instructor, we would like to think that our classrooms are all encompassing sometimes, but sometimes we're more on content development because that's what people test on than really personal relationships and how we move forward together as a society.
1: Awesome. Awesome.
0: Now, now before you get off into that, everything that you said, one thing stood out to me. You said diversity, equity, and belonging. Yes. Mm -hmm. When we all know there's diversity, equity, and inclusion, is what People typically say, can you speak yes. to that? And was there an intentionality behind that? Where does that title come from?
3: There definitely was. So, um, originally, when I came to Fort Wayne in 2018, uh, it was as the Associate Vice President um, of Diversity and Chief Diversity Officer. As the role um, grew and elevated, I, I, I like to be intentional, right? One of the pillars of my company is intentionality. So, if we're doing that, we need to not take all the ownership but to be intentional about how we're creating space for people that are typically otherized, right? Marginalized communities. So being that you can go through the, the diversity alphabet of the social justice, DEI. Uh, so diversity is is about data. You have it or you don't, it's a numbers game. And it's really up to the people in power to decide if you have enough people there, if they want to diversify. When you get to equity, again, it's a power game. It's up to the leaders Of the organization to decide if they want to be equitable and pay and opportunities. Um, Inclusion, Verna Meyer says it best. Uh, She says that it's being invited to the dance, but it's people in power that are doing that. So um, I've done some work with a colleague of mine, Daniel Jude, and always talking about belonging and getting people to feel as if they belong. And If you feel as if it's yours, if you feel ownership in an organization, a company, a family, anything, you don't need people to invite you. You don't need to worry about that. So it was very intentional of that's what we need to strive for. We need to make people feel valued in that they own a part of the campus community and that they don't necessarily wait for Lisa or someone else to come and do things for them, but that they take an active role in creating space and voice for themselves.
1: Awesome! Awesome! Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things that stands out to me uh, right now is your shirt. I love your shirt. Mindset Mindset is everything, everything, right? Um, Tell me why that is. Why do you feel that way?
3: Because it impacts it impacts how we do what we do, right? Mm -hmm. From the time we're small, we we come up with uh, with mindset and and how we feel. Like we're culturally programmed to think, believe what is good, what is bad, what is what is right, what is wrong. even now in such a progressive, and I feel like we're getting more progressive, but when we do gender reveal parties even, right? It's like blue or pink. You don't see anybody bust a balloon and it's yellow that comes out and they're like, (laughs) what is it? We need to know what it is, right? So, but it's a mindset around, you know, gender Mm. and and what it is. We have mindsets with every, around everything that we do. We say how we're built Mm. from young ages. So to me, Little changes in developing your mindset is how you're going to get to your next, uh, whatever your next is. And if you're not willing to change the mindset, you'll stay stagnant. Mm -hmm. Uh, It may not seem because you might be in a community where everybody is of the same mindset and you feel like you all are just going along, but you're really not going to grow.
1: What do you think one of the main reasons is that people are unwilling to change their mindset?
3: Because I feel like people don't know any better.
1: That's what I would agree. Yeah. That's what I was hoping you would say. Yeah, yeah. We, sometimes... We don't recognize yeah. that we are stuck in a certain mindset and that we even need to change it. Right. Right?
3: Because a lot of times we're in communities or families or places of employment where everyone's like us. Mm-hmm. So if everyone, you know, if it's the, the same voices, like your thing says, your voice matters, but if it's the same voices, how well are we doing with growing mm-hmm. and advancing? Right? So... I I look at things, even I'm a transplant to Fort Wayne. And when I'm doing uh, work outside of the university, I always tell people, I'm like, I I need a mixture of people. I need some natives because they know what's going on in the community. right? They have historical knowledge of what's been Fort Wayne. I need some transplants like myself, some people who have come in and seen some things. and, And we're experiencing this because our voice matters as well on how we're experiencing this. But I need some rebounders, too the people who grew up here left, saw something different, came back and can give us some impact, right? Because if we have a voice of all natives on a committee, all we're doing is saying, we've always been like this. This is a little way that we're all willing to stretch a little bit. We don't know, it's kind of safe, right? There's no bold decision-making when all the voices are the same. Mm -hmm. So when you get different mindsets, different experiences, different perspectives, I feel like you get greatness.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
0: And I I love the fact that you're sitting here because your verse, you're hitting mindset of a consumer, but then you got your background and everything you do working with corporate level. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people, I mean, we focus it on, and I know in our production meeting, we talked about mindsets. I think we were thinking more of consumer side as well. Mm -hmm. But can you speak to like organizations and the industry is, you know, stick with banking itself.
3: Yeah.
0: What kind of things do you deal with when we're talking about? in changing the
3: mindset. So I think with banking, right, there's, there's, so first I'm going to start with the whole concept of the growth and the fixed mindset, right? Uh, A lot of people who will take those and run with it as fixed is bad and growth is just like this great euphoria of what's the best thing in the world. And, and first of all, that's not true. You can't be willy-nilly running around with every new idea somebody says and puts in your head. You're like, I'm going to try it like it's all rainbows mm-hmm. and Skittles. It's not. And especially in banking, you have you have rules, regulations, compliance, You know, policies. You, some things are fixed, and they're not necessarily fixed because that's a fixed mindset. It's fixed because that's the law. Mm-hmm. That's a compliance issue that we, we can't mess with. So when you look at the banking industry and financial pillars and things like this— you figure there are some things that we, it just is what it is, as as people would say. But there are other things that we can use innovation to work around that. There are, when we're looking at our consumer base, and a lot of times, you know, when I talk to people, they'll say, we need to diversify our customer base. And it's like, but what's your communities look like? Right? Like when 2020 hit everybody, like, I I was very popular then, right, in 2020, 2021. And it was like, we want to do this. And it's like, how are you going to grow your employee base and increase it when you're in a community that's like 2% people of color, but now you want 17% of your employees? Are you willing to, like, fly people in and bring them in? And so I I think we need to be realistic. One, you're looking at employees or you're looking at consumers. What do your employees represent? Because a lot of times with marginalized communities, We're looking for somebody who looks like us, right? Some of us, that's just where we feel comfortable. It's automatically. You don't really see a a white person go into a room full of black people. They're looking for someone who they are, they're uncomfortable, right? So a lot of us, when we come into banking and we don't know about it, we may speak a different language. Like we have a lot of Burmese community here. We might speak a different language. We might um, be ability, you know, different, abled and, we're looking for something like us, and banks don't have it, right? If you're, if you're a bank and you don't have anybody in a wheelchair and I'm coming in trying to navigate, like, do you understand how difficult it could be for me to get to your space, even though you're saying, well, by laws, we're ADA compliant for wheelchair accessible, but in reality, are you? Right. Mm-hmm. Is, is it welcoming? Am I going to get treated differently? Is there a place for me to wait? So I think when you're looking at consumers, you have to first look at your employees because somebody's got to be able to talk that talk. And if it's if you don't have the race and ethnicity diversity, then you need to get some inclusive leadership practices with the people you do have who are able to build relationships with that because money is a pride and joy of most people. Right. I mean, like I'm not going to give you my money if I don't trust you. Mm-mm. If I don't feel comfortable with you, I'll, I'll pay more money and go to the, the payroll place or the pay cashing place down the street and give them seven or 8% because somehow I can justify that more than walking into a bank mm-hmm. dealing with the teller who may not be culturally sensitive.
1: Cause to that's me. what they're comfortable yes. with. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh-huh. But you hit on some points there. <laughs> how how do you address that consumer or those marginalized communities that have uh, entities establishment that that uh, that fear, that trepidation of? I know they're going to say no. You know that mindset. Uh, why would I do it? You know, it's just going to be that the negative
1: same. mindset. Yeah. Yeah. That negative mindset.
3: I think the smart thing is to understand where you are and, and work partnerships. We partner all the time with people professionally. If I need something, I'm going to go reach out to somebody who may have it, and I'm going to partner with them. When we're looking at banks and financial institutions, if we are looking to service and build better relationships with marginalized communities, Fort Wayne is a city of churches, right? I'm telling you, get with some churches. If if nothing else, when I first moved here, I was like, <laughs> oh, my gosh. Like, there I would not have a problem finding a place to, to worship, right, because they are. Look at some of the community organizations, partner with them, because sometimes it's the buy-in, the transferable buy-in. So you may know somebody, I know you, but I need to get to them. So I might need to use my connection with you, because if you say Lisa's a good person and you can trust her, they trust you, so then they'll hand off to me. Like we we do comparable stuff in, in education. I've had students come to me and say, you know, this professor, I don't, I don't get along with them. And some professors, I'm like, let me fix that. Mm-hmm. You know, like, let me, let me anoint you the, the good person and get this student and build a relationship. But honestly, there are other people where I'm like, they don't treat me nice. So I, I can imagine what a, what a student is getting if I'm getting this as a VP. So I'm more siding with the student, like, let me handle you here. But if you can get those relationships and make those connections, go to churches, go to social service agencies, go to schools. You have to be where people are. They're not just going to miraculously walk into you if I'm, I don't have a lot of money and I don't have this and I'm not, you know, I'm trying to figure out what mobile banking app is and I'm trying to go through all these fintech things with transferring money. I'm not necessarily going to walk into you and expect you to educate me if I don't have a relationship. If no one's told me this is the person you need to talk to, this is where you need to go and do this, I'm going to sit around like they don't care about me. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to have to hustle and do what I need to do with my money to make it work. But it's the person in power. Like, we, we have the power.
1: So so here's here's a mindset um, for that, what you were just talking sure. to about putting yourself in those situations to meet people, make those contacts as the individual that says, well, you know, that's just really not, not me. It's not my personality, mm-hmm. right? The mindset they have there. What would you say to that?
3: I, I think it is. For Like, I would challenge that because if there was something else that you wanted, that you personally wanted, if someone told you your child needs this surgery and you have to go talk to this medical team and make a case for your child against somebody else's child, you would be in there making the case. And it's not your personality to public speak. And it's not your personality to get in there. They're all educated and you're not. You would learn how to adapt to get what you want. So for me, it's how bad do you want it?
1: Absolutely and you just spoke to me to the T yeah. five years ago yeah. maybe right because I'm not network. I'm better one on one in person, but going into a, a an event where there's mm-hmm. 200 people there is you know that's not my area but it's just my comfort zone, yeah. right? Put yourself in those comfort zones. Take that mindset away. The negative mindset right. that eh, it's just not me. It's not my personality. I understand it. It's what you need to do. It's what you have to do. If you want to get to a certain yeah. place, right? Get over that mindset that it's not you put yourself in those uncomfortable positions and it will become you. Yeah. Would you agree?
3: Yeah, I do. And and a lot of times they, they, we say to whom much is given much is required, right? In a leadership role. I, I know there are plenty of times like just over this holiday break, I really needed to be off the grid because I feel like I am on all the time, mm-hmm. all the time. And so I needed to go somewhere and have matching pajamas like, you know, 14 family members and <laughs> and just sit there and just laugh about goofy things. Because I was like, every time I'm out, there's an expectation of me with something because of my titles or insider education, which I'm not going to trade. But there are times when it's like I, I need to. I need to step out of that mm-hmm. so when you ask for things and you want to do things, practice self care that's a mindset too, right mm-hmm. that i don't need that I don't have time for that i don't I have time for it i have because I can't pour if i'm on empty mm-hmm. so if if watching monk, my mother watches monk she's eighty six watching monk <laughs> because that's what my mom watched when she quarantined with me makes me feel good and have happy memories, then that's, I'm going to take two hours to do that. And then I can pop back on and, you know, do things like this. And it's like, absolutely. <laughs> I can keep going.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We're different people in our professional lives than we are in our yeah. personal lives. Right. I talk to people all day long. I'm a different person at work. And then when I come home, it's like the last thing I want to do is go on the phone and talk yeah. to somebody. But a lot of right? times that's...
3: your professional life, I mean, you are right. How many times are you seen and somebody comes up to you when, once they find out what you do and where you do it mm-hmm. at, then you are the experts on Mm -hmm. everything financial to them. Right. So if you push them to someone else, they trust you. Mm -hmm. But if you start, so it's like, there's so many blurred lines of who we are professionally and personally. I mean, that's just who we are. We're all of it.
1: Yeah. I think one of the other key things with mindset too, is understanding that our mindset is not, somebody else's mindset right right? Right. and what i mean by that is you know going into just a personal example for myself is uh, i had applied for a job a few years ago Mm -hmm. it's the second time i went in for this job that i didn't get the first time they called me back you know a year later went in for it thought i had this job they walked me around the whole place showed me everything was asked me what kind of phone i wanted and all this Mm -hmm. other stuff and then that that day came for the call and it didn't come right Mm -hmm day later it came and I know what that means the longer that it goes and you don't get that call they're they're off the job to somebody else yeah. right they're calling you when somebody else has accepted that job and um you know when they called I clearly was you know disappointed right. but instead of being upset about just saying thank you and hang up the phone I said you know okay would you mind giving me some feedback on what led to your decision and I appreciate the honesty that they did and in this situation you know the job role which was a banking role Um, It consisted of going out, getting involved in the community, you know, not-for-profit organization, Mm -hmm. things like that, which I knew that was part of the role. It didn't really fit my life at the time when I had younger kids and I'm stuck in a retail environment from nine to five and all this other stuff. So I knew when I get this job, that's part of the role and I'm willing to do it. Their outlook on it was, well, you interviewed for this job a year ago and you knew that that was part of the role that we wanted, but you haven't done anything between then and now to do that, right? That completely switched my mindset Mm -hmm. on, Okay, they wanted me to do this beforehand, not me going into this job role, understanding it's part of the job and I'm willing to do it. Right. Um, so I immediately left there and went and called up uh, um, uh, somebody I worked for at the time and just said, Hey, can we go to lunch? Said, You might not want to hear this by applying for another job. I didn't get it, but can you talk because this person was involved with me. different things? Like, I cannot let this be the reason I don't ever get a job right. again. Right. I had to change my mindset to adapt with their mindset because I wanted something from them. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think Lisa touched on something big when we're talking relationships. And the reason I throw in my background is because I work for Division of Family and Children, Housing Authority, Mm -hmm. Urban League, all these places serving all these different families, all these different children. So when they see me around coaching on the sidelines, it's a familiar face. They're comfortable. They come in. They can talk. The question I have for you um I know one of the big things is when we're talking about finances and changing the mindset how do you deal with somebody we're talking about finances versus survival mode what are some of the strategies tactics that you do when you're dealing with you know folks that are in real life situations and we're talking about saving money or you know having to take time out to do some of these things that we're talking about what, what what do you do? What are some what are some strategies?
3: So I'll be honest. I don't even know if it's it's really the the str the professional strategy. It's more of a of a having intersectional identities that belong in marginalized communities. Right, person of color, woman, um, small business owner, entrepreneur. There's there's so many layers to that. But I I think first changing the mindset, especially of our people, African-American people, where generationally, typically we are paycheck to paycheck, right? We, we don't know the value of saving. And so we think that if we go without this, you know, where it's not going to help in the long run. So I think to show people that little changes, because honestly, to me, that's one of the generational curses that we we talk about, right? We don't we don't do life insurance and stuff. We we may have life insurance if our employer offers it for us, but who's to say we don't get let go or laid off, have a heart attack, die, and then because it was after, you know, we don't have life insurance, our families are doing GoFundMe's and everything to for our final arrangements. I think it's making small, small changes. And we have to do that across generations because a lot of times what i have a 32 and a 30 year old daughter right and as much as i think they don't listen to me they do right so if if i say something it's kind of they may like oh mom like whatever we're not feeling but (laughs) but it it does they they do listen to it right Mm -hmm. so um I, i i ended up being a single mother and this i'm gonna tie this all together my youngest daughter who is now a single mother told me she said in a, in a conversation, she said, we never saw you struggle. Cause I was telling him, I'm like, Oh, you know, the one Christmas, like I worked in the bank of the daytime, three nights a week. I worked at, you know, at a gas station, counting cigarettes and stocking stuff because I needed to be Santa Claus. Right. And it was like, it wasn't working for me to do all this by myself. Right. Newly single. And she's like, we never, we went to gymnastics. We went to band camp. We went, she's like, I think if you would have let us see you struggle, When I have bad days, it wouldn't have been as heartbreaking for me as, like, you're never going to be a Lisa. You're never going to be like And I'm like, girl, like, what? Like, of course, like, you know, my struggle is not everybody's struggle, but definitely had times where the paychecks were a little tight and and things like that. So I try to tell her, like, save this much. If you're used to going to Starbucks on her way to work, you spend $7 every day at Starbucks. Mm -hmm. Save, like, go to Starbucks twice a week. Get you a, a coffee machine at home, and or drink water because it's good for you, and and put that money aside. And so we do. And, and she, once they see it grow, and it's like, okay, well now we need to go. We need to go to the you know to the investment people. You need to either do it like this, go long term, go. And but when they can see it, and it's so hard to see it, especially now, when when you can swipe, when you can swipe things, it's it's really hard to know how soon it's coming out. Back in our days, we had cash. If you didn't have cash in your wallet, you didn't have the money. Right now, we swipe. Banks are nice to say, we'll just charge you this fee, but mm-hmm. we'll let you overdraw, and that puts them further in it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that making the choices of really talk to someone and really commit to it. Like, it's it's not going to be easy, but your struggle right now, is not going to be too much harder than what what you are doing right now. But people have to see tangible things. They have to see like, okay, I'm able to do this. Okay, now I can do this. Um, the whole wait to your income tax check comes so you can buy things. Um, you know, like we can't just Tax be, season's right around the corner. Yeah, we can't be spenders in February and March. Like mm-hmm. if you would have taken some of that, you know, take it from somebody who owes. Like when, when you take some of that and invest it, and then you're 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 living off of you know you have residual income and things, but you you have to show them, and they don't trust everybody to show them, you know, because Big Mama can't show them that because she didn't do that.
2: Right, and um, Lisa. So when it comes to things like that in that situation, so when you take certain people that are, I would say, um, pre exposed to certain lifestyles where they never have to worry about anything or they never have to see their parents struggle, do you think that sets them back when it comes to adulthood when they need to take on their own personal finances?
3: I, I think. It, it can. It, it depends on what their what their mindset is. If they've learned healthy, you know, financial practices. My father had me investing in Procter and Gamble when I was 16 years old, you know, because honestly, he was he was a blunt man from Selma, Alabama. He was like, they do feminine products. Y'all always going to need them Like, start with it. And I was sitting there like that's stupid. But Not going anywhere, that was his way. Like if you're going to have a job and we're going to have to, you know, like keep, a, then you need to put some of your money aside because we're not going to do this for you forever. He also was the same one that said, we will not co-sign for you anything. If you won't pay those people, you won't pay us. And so we're not going into debt for you once you get grown. And I think we don't have a, enough of that. Maybe we don't know how to do that now because generationally we so do other things, but I feel as if Kids are either going to go to what they know, young people, mm-hmm. or they're going to go so far away to what they don't know. And a lot of times in certain communities, you need to push them away from what they don't know, right? Because they, they know how to struggle. They know the struggle is real.
1: Yeah, so you just touched on a few different things. Um, you know, I we was talk about yeah. Well, no, great stuff because you touched on numerous things that we've talked about on the show all the time, which is understanding needs and wants. When you mentioned the Starbucks, mm. I, yeah, I use that all the time. Like when when I feel like I don't have the money, I'm cutting back on the things that I want, not that I need. But a lot of times, you know, you're in your published community or you don't have the money. We're always saying, "Well, where do I have it?" We all have things we can cut back on. We may not want to, whether it's alcohol or cigarettes or Starbucks, whatever it may be, understanding that and then coming to the mindset, I want to change my financial situation. I'm going to have to cut back on these.
3: Yeah. Right? You do. I mean, you have to sacrifice for, you know. Mm -hmm.
1: If you want to change your situation, you 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 have to change your mindset and you have to be willing to sacrifice if you want to change your financial situation. But
3: I I think the story's not told enough that even people who seem well-to-do, sacrifice for their okay. financial situation, mm-hmm. right? You, yep. you may not see it, but if they want more, they're, they're cutting back mm-hmm. on things or reeling in, reeling in on
1: things. So when I use my, my personal yeah. example, I'm not financially struggling by any means. Right. Um, but when I say I live paycheck to paycheck, I put you know money aside and I don't touch that. Yeah, don't so if I need to cut it. back, I stop getting Starbucks before I start before touching you start, that. Right. The tax return is one I use all the time. Um, I used to be in the cell phone business prior to banking and mm. phew, man, tax time comes and the whole family's getting brand new phones. Do you need the new iPhone 15, 16, whatever's out now when that comes? Or do you want to save that so then when bills come or Christmas comes next year, you're not still borrowing, you're getting in debt for that. You actually have the money from tax time to pay for that. So now the next year comes, right? you got to cut back somewhere and start somewhere. And the, the needs and the wants is something you have to understand.
0: Yeah. At the end of the day, it comes down to education. And, it does. and when we're talking about cultures, like she said, that you, you could be a well-to-do family. If you're not taught certain things, when, when you were talking about needs and wants and finances, and we know, you know, you can speak to the black community, there's certain things, A, that we weren't taught, B, a trust level that was legitimate. Yeah. You know, our parents, there was things, you talk about going to a bank, we know the systemic things that used to take place. Mm-hmm. So therefore, no, the bank wasn't the safest place. That's why you have a, couple of a lack of trust, right? That's, that's exactly it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's there. So, I know Terrence when he brought up, you know, his, his point. It's not about it's about struggle. It's really just about where you at with that education. Yeah, it is when you as as a family. Yeah, yeah and I will
2: say, um, as far as education comes into that aspect, I know there are some people out there that have had the opportunity to get that knowledge to be educated about their finances, so that they can be financially strong in the future, and they still decide to negate everything that they've been taught. So I guess that ties back into the mindset as well because if somebody gives you the tools and resources in your life so that you can be successful and you actively decide not to engage those tools to be successful, you're never going to have a new mindset. You will be stuck in that same mindset. Yeah, and,
3: and you have to look into the opportunities, right? Like there, there's so many opportunities for us to educate before people get to college, right? Like what about high schools? What about community organizations what about financial planning like i know that that the ja is doing some great Mm -hmm. stuff right now but but what about other organizations too? that because when you look at ja is it diverse right are 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 some students getting it are all students getting it right like go to some organizations partner with the church youth groups right like you know do something Something yeah. different. And if you want a different result, you're going to have to approach yeah. it differently.
1: Even JA is what? Once a month
3: or whatever. Well, yeah.
1: Once a year. <laughs> once a yeah. year. So I, know, I volunteer for JA yeah. um, personally for my kids. And then also on behalf of my, my employer, um, we go to Fairfield Elementary, which we're ready to do in a couple months, too. So, But, yeah, it's great. But it's one day yeah. a year throughout school. Yeah, that's JA for a
0: day. JA in a day. day. Yeah. yeah. But they've got it. Where, yeah. The yeah. Month, so but um, way, I
1: don't know. But with uh, what you mentioned about um, – college, right? And you two can probably speak to this as well as, you know, sitting in, you know, they're talking to parents who bring their kids in when they're going off to college for the first time, right? To open their first bank account, right? It was always like, we're, you're getting ready to send them off in the world by themselves. And this is their first bank account. No one's ever mm-hmm. helped them, taught them, done anything, right? I can, you can open an account for somebody at 13 years old, right? Yeah. You know, open the account early, you're on the account with them, teach them how to manage money, you teach them how to spend money responsibly, Right. Do that when they're young before you send them off in the world to try and figure this out on their own.
3: And and we all have, you know, whether it's our professional um, obligation or or just a personal one with integrity. I I've worked in higher ed for a while now. I see students all the time signing for, you know, financial aid packages. And it's like, did someone tell you? You were about you were getting two thousand dollars worth of aid, and the tuition is fifteen thousand. Like, do you know? But they signed this like uh, got a sub loan, and I got an unsub loan, and I got this, it. and it's like okay. But now you've not done great your first semester, but we're going to give you another chance, like the government. They're going to give you your funding, another chance. But now you're not doing well. Now you walk away. Do you understand that those loans are due? I mean, up until twenty twenty, loans were just six months later. Now you're trying to do whatever your hustle is and the government is looking for you. So when anybody puts in your social security number, your first job, the government's coming to get their money Mm -hmm. and they don't know, you know, so you want to be upset, but it's like, they don't know. Mm -hmm. And, and in a, when you have multiple students coming in, signing award packets, do you honestly take the time to tell everybody this is what this is going to mean? These are the, we, we don't, right? And
2: if I'm being completely honest in that aspect, um, being in college myself, there have been several instances where they have tried to give me financial aid, even though my college is paid for 100% through my employer. Um a lot of people that I've personally sat with have absolutely no idea what they're signing up for. Mm-hmm. They don't know the ins and out of it. They don't understand that they have to pay this back and that they're paying interest on top yeah. of it. And I feel like if they had the chance to actually be educated on what they're actually signing up for, half of the people wouldn't sign up for it. Yeah.
3: How many yeah. people take out, they get full rides, right? Like they're to community college, they get full rides and then they take out these sub loans so they can, I got to get a car, I got to get a new computer, I want to go on spring break. And it's like... Do you realize what that spring break, that $500 trip to the Bahamas just cost you like down the road? You may never, ever get to the Bahamas again if you, Mm -hmm. right? And it's because we don't, money's so scarce till we feel like if you're giving it to me now, I'm going to live in the moment, Yeah, right? I'm going to live in the moment.
1: Yeah, uh, Lisa. Unfortunately, we're out of time today. Yes, of course, so that, time, that time would go by fast because this is definitely a topic we could talk about, um, you know, all day soon, long. Right? Well, we that, that's that. what I just getting ready to say, right? You you can't definitely. can't change a mindset in a day, right? Right. But the first step is understanding yes. that the way you think is a mindset, and if you want something different, then be willing to change it and then seek help on how you can change nice. it. Right. So, uh, thank you again for being on the show. I do want to give you an opportunity Thanks, to to let our listeners know, um, maybe where to find you or sure. your consulting company.
3: Sure. E- either one. I, I think the easiest place to Google, because my website is, was supposed to be relaunched January 1st, but other people <laughs> needed self-care too. So uh, shout out to my, my behind-the-scenes people. But uh, go to Indiana Tech's website, or you can email me at ldgivan at indianatech.edu, and I will, I will reply. Awesome. I'll
1: connect. Great. Well, thank you for being on the show once again. Uh, hopefully we can have you back for a, yeah. a, a part two. Cause I like, said, no, it's something we can talk you. about uh, all day long. But uh, once again, mindset, um, the power of the mindset, as Lisa's shirt says, mindset is everything. But the first step is understanding um, that the way you are, you're thinking, the situation you're in is all due to your mindset. If you want something different, you got to be willing to change your mindset. Mm-hmm. So, but, uh, we'll be back in two weeks, I believe on the 24th, we're doing it at the financial show every other week. So January 24th, same time, uh, 830. So we'll see you then until then our neutral voices. Peace. <laughs>